fantasy injury team, we are back, baby, with an all-new episode to prepare for week nine of the NFL season. I am your host, Joe D'Amico. I am joined by Tom Christ and a little bit later on, Sam Webb and Ben Bento. I thank you guys so much for joining us and supporting us. Don't forget, subscribe, hit that bell so you guys will never miss an episode. You'll get notified anytime a new one drops on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Thanks to you guys so much. Huge shout out. We just set our all-time high in record for listens last week. So thank you guys again for your support. We're glad you guys are enjoying the content. Shout out to Tyler Dugan. It was incredible to have you on the show. Some awesome insight. And like always, guys, we do weekly episodes. Sometimes we drop some extra episodes. Speaking of extra episodes, Tommy Boy, uh, a very lucky, talented man. He was in nice San Diego last week for, what was it, a PT conference, Tom? It was. It was the annual American Academy of Orthopedic and Manual Physical Therapists Conference. Why weren't you there, Joe? Uh, because I don't know what half of those words are, and that's the longest name of a conference I've ever heard of. My Is it? Print that out. Is it insane? My gosh. But listen, you uh, enjoyed some nice San Diego weather, and you guys can find this on our channel. You got to interview the one and only, the freaking legend man, Stefania Bell from ESPN. How was that, man? Was that fun? It was awesome. Um, I've been a big fan of her for a while. I think she's been employed by ESPN for 15 years now. And just spending time with her, you can tell why. She knows her stuff really well. And she presents it in a way that is comprehensible for the average listener, but still really in-depth. Um, it was it was an awesome time meeting her and and getting to to do a show with her. Were you like at all starstruck? This was in person, right? You got to literally sit with her. Yeah, 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 right next to each other. I brought two microphones and we recorded right onto my computer. Oh my goodness, it, it came out really good. I mean, of course you killed it, but she just sounds so she just sounds so good. And she was like one of the OGs with her and Matthew Berry, like when ESPN and fantasy football was first starting out. So. It's really cool that you got to interview a man. So we're always looking for special guests. And listen, we're going to surprise you guys every now and then drop some some interesting, fun episodes with, with who knows who in our near future. So before we start today, just a little talk for you guys. Listen, we're about halfway through the season, having fun. I hope most of us having fun. I just want to let you, you guys know out there, right? Never give up in fantasy football ever. I don't care what your record is. If you're at 500, below 500, guys, it is never over. Make moves. Get creative. Get crazy on the waiver wire through trades. Take risks. And listen, if you only have one or two wins, I'm in a couple of years in one league where I think I have one or two wins, ruin someone else's season while you're at it, right? (laughs) Don't get last place in your league. Don't get that last place punishment. Never give up. We're here to help you guys out. Um, Tom, never asked you this. Does your main league have a punishment? like a punishment for last place? No, we don't. We uh, we never established a punishment for last place. Man, get with the program. So those of you guys out there, what we actually want, we want to hear from you guys. I, I tweeted it today from our account, but send us the worst punishment you guys have ever seen. Just send us a DM and maybe we'll feature it on the next show. Um, my league, we, always, we vote on it. We always do something fun. Last year we did, Brian Pizer had to do it. You spend 24 hours in McDonald's and every item you eat like a Big Mac was worth an hour. So every time you eat something, it comes down. We've done the paintball gauntlet where you have to run back and forth and the whole league shoots paintballs at you. That sounds awesome. That was Chris Bruno. We did eat the eat a ghost pepper before the draft and just sit there in misery. This year oh, we're doing no. a 
that was bad. We're doing a lemonade stand this year where the loser has to go like wherever they want and set up a lemonade stand and <laughs> make like a hundred dollars or two hundred. Oh my goodness. That's... What was the one that you said? You said something before. Oh, the best one I've ever seen is um well, Joe, you wouldn't get it because you don't watch Game of Thrones and never have. But uh Cersei Lannister does the shame walk where they like chop all her hair off and strip her naked and then she walks through the the entire town. And there's just uh, the, um, I don't know what they're called in, in Game of Thrones, but it's the equivalent of like nuns walking behind her with the bell, ringing the bell and going, shame, shame, oh my shame. Lord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the whole town's like throwing like little feces at her. It's uh, okay. So well, that's what, that's how it is in the episode. In, in real life, I don't think, I don't imagine people are throwing feces at the person but uh well one i have to watch that show two uh that's a good thing for our punishment next year and three tom get with the program get your league people to get with the damn program get a punishment like real men and real adults and uh it just makes it more fun because then you're never out of it right like even if you're owing something like you're competing and you don't want to be last place so send us your punishments guys okay so today's show's a good one like always guys we'll get right into it here we're going to talk first now that the nfl trade deadline is up a lot of moves. So we want to kind of digest some of these. We'll go through a couple of them and we'll go through also, Tom, the moves that didn't happen. We'll talk about uh, some things that we thought would happen. Then, of course, we'll do our injuries, guys, and, and we'll keep going. We got a segment for you after that and start sit. And of course, we're going to pick our winners for the Austin Eckler jersey. Well, let's go right in here, Tom. So one of the big trades, the first one was the Bills getting Naheem Hines. It was for a fifth round pick and also for Zach Moss. Um, just for me, I looked at this. I don't know why. The Bills seem to just like hate Devin Singletary. I don't know, man. He's not bad. He's averaging 4.5 yards a carry. He's got, I mean, only two top 20 finishes this year in seven tries. But what do you think? Like James Cook, I mean, that sucks for him, right? That guy has to stink. I don't know what their deal is there. So now they got Singletary. Moss is gone, but they have Cook and they have Hines. Dude, I don't know what to make of this. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, well, Cook is clearly not his brother, Dalvin. Um I don't really think this is good for any party involved because um, I, I don't see Hines and Singletary as that different of a skill set. They're both, you know, okay runners, pretty good receivers. Singletary's a little thicker, so I guess he he would be better between the tackles, whereas Hines is more of a pure third down back. But like Singletary was pretty good in the third down role. He's just not great in the first and second down role. I don't really see this helping either of them. I don't really want any of the Buffalo backfield on my roster. I kind of, I disagree with you there only with Hines. I mean, time will tell, but he's been a proven pass catcher. I mean, he's this year catching like four or five passes a game, but that's in a not great offense. And I don't know, has Josh Allen ever had a really good pass catching running back? I don't know that he's had many. And then also I think, more implications, McKenzie. I mean, I, I'm sure some people out there rostering Isaiah McKenzie thinking that he's going to be the slot guy. And maybe last week or week before he dropped a couple passes, big passes. I think his time, even in the slot is going to kind of deteriorate. And I've seen Hines in his years with the Colts and whoever play in the slot a lot. So I think, I don't know, man, I'm feeling Hines could be a possible flex play. Don't really know. We'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes, but it just makes Josh Allen that much better. He's just so ridiculous. And the weapons they have and the team they have, it's such an insane thing. And just in terms of the Colts, right? Let's kind of flip it and look at the Colt implications there. 
We'll talk a little bit later in the show, but now that Hines is gone and JT is hurt, I know that we're recording this on Wednesday. If Deion Jackson is out there and Deion Jackson is available, guys, he's a great pickup. Again, JT didn't practice, and without Hines, I think there's some standalone value with Deion Jackson. Tom, any idea the one game Deion Jackson started, the running back, how many catches did he have? Oh, I don't know, but I know he had like over 20 fantasy points. He did. He had 23 fantasy points, 79 yards, 10 catches on 10 targets. So I like 10 freaking catches, man. Did you say 10? 10 catches for Deion Jackson. Wow. He is stepping into the Naheem Hines role, who was catching four or five passes a game, and JT is banged up. I'm not saying to go play him this week, but he's a great guy to have. And if JT doesn't go, I don't care who he's playing. I think it's a plug and play. Okay. Tom, another one here that certainly doesn't have implications for this year, but the guy that we actually talked about last on the podcast, the gambler himself, Calvin Ridley, the Jags got Calvin Ridley, I think just for some draft picks. Um, What do you think, man? Do you like him on the Jags next year? I do. I really do. I'm the Jags. We thought they would take a bigger, at least I thought they would take a bigger step forward this year, but they're clearly not playing for this year. They never were. And what what have we seen has helped young quarterbacks throughout the years? Like this year, it's Jalen Hurts a few years ago, you know, getting Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, like these young high capital quarterbacks need to be surrounded by playmakers. Get them a guy, get them like, their guy. <laughs> look, look at Justin Fields and Mac Jones right now. Like Fields now has someone to throw to. that's a little bit better. But like you can't expect young quarterbacks to succeed throwing to nobodies. So I love this for Jacksonville. I mean, Ridley's a top five receiver when he's playing, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, borderline five, but very, very, very good. And pairing him with Kirk will be really nice for for Trevor Lawrence. And then with ETN coming out of the backfield, that's that's got that's a team that could have a really really good offense next year. I agree. Week nine of, of 2022, but for next year, man, 2023, I feel like this is going to be a hot ticket in Vegas. Jags to win the Super Bowl, Jags to win the division, Jags to do whatever. Um, and just other fantasy implications. I think the Falcons are just shot. I don't know what to make of them, man. I don't even care that they're four and four. All they want to do is establish the run. I mean, they ran about 30 something times last week with feeding their beasts of Tyler Algier and Caleb Huntley. Give me an absolute break with that. Who needs to throw? You know, you know what, 2023 next year, who needs to even throw in this football league anymore, right? Let's just give away our best wide receiver. We'll just keep feeding our running back. It's um, That team is just going to continue to puzzle me. But, Tom, you brought up Christian Kirk, and I know this is not for this year, but even for Dynasty, I think it helps Kirk a lot because, in my opinion at least, it moves him back to the slot, and that's where he's comfortable. That's where he's explosive kind of like a Rondo Moore type of player that usually does succeed in the slot. So I think the Jags could be freaking awesome next year, man. Although we did say that about this year. Um, well, we meant next year. <laughs> we, we meant the future. Yeah. Okay. How about the Dolphins getting Jeff Wilson back, uh, back paired with Raheem Mostert again, traded for a 2023 fifth rounder. Let me ask you, Tom, who would you rather have from this backfield? I feel like, in a way, they're almost like the same player, but I'll just give you some numbers first. So you got Raheem Mostert, who's been decent this year. He's RB26 right now. He's 30 years old, though, maybe on some borrowed time in terms of injuries. Only 12 career rushing touchdowns. Then you got Jeff Wilson, 26 years old, RB29 right now, with 15 career touchdowns. Aside from the four-year age difference, I, 
I can't find that many differences between them. I don't know, man. Who would you rather have? They match up pretty comparably from a fantasy output standpoint. I, I think you're just throwing darts if you're taking one versus the other. I mean, they've they've also both had their share of injuries, so it's not like one is proven to be more durable than the other. They both can catch the ball. They both can finish in the red zone, although I would say Wilson's probably a little bit better at getting in the end zone. Um, I, I If I'm picking one for the rest of the season, I'm picking Wilson, but it's, you know, not by a lot. I agree. I think this just dilutes their value. I think both of them kind of just, you know, again, they were, they were RB three flex plays, but now that they're together, it just kind of destructs any value that they might've had. I don't know if you saw, I just saw Tom TikTok's a whole new world, man. You got to get on it. You got to get into it more. I found, I, I saw a video about how Moster found out he was just in an interview, literally hanging out with someone. They're like, yeah, by the way, you just got Jeff Wilson. And he just got so excited. And then they told him that Edmonds was traded too. And he was like, oh, they're like, yeah. Oh, it's just funny that these players know the same time that we find out about trades. And it's just like, yeah, I thought I've, that they would know before. You know, I've never, never understood know. that, especially when it's the player getting traded. Like, don't the GMs have the courtesy to let them know? Nope. I've seen it in the NBA where guys are on the bench and or they're literally playing in a game and they get pulled out of the game and they're like, yeah, we can't play anymore because we just traded you. And he's like, oh, and then what, is he supposed to just sit there? Does he Ew, somebody what? got flown on a private jet? It might have been. Uh, it might have actually been Jeff Wilson. I forget. It was Wilson and then it was Bradley Chubb. I, this is the it was Chubb. Was just, yeah, uh, no, it was both of them. So the, the plane left Miami, went to San Francisco, picked up Wilson, stopped in Denver, picked up Chubb like with Wilson still on the plane. I just think that's so cool that they can just do that. <laughs> and they shipped Edmonds off on a bus. Probably see you later, man. We'll just <laughs> <laughs> you take the train. Um all right, speaking of Edmonds, so the uh, Edmonds is also on the move. Uh, the Broncos traded another big name, and not so much fantasy implication, but Bradley Chubb, uh, Broncos traded him for a 2025 fifth rounder, a 2023 first rounder, which is huge, 2024 fourth rounder, and Chase Edmonds. I mean, Chase Edmonds, I, I want to get his name out of my mouth. I mean, he has to. Now on the Broncos, right? I mean, after the joke of the usage he had, it's got to be some sort of an improvement, but I really don't know, man. What, what do you think about the Edmonds signing or, or trading for the Broncos? I mean, yeah, it's an improvement for Edmonds, but not an improvement to relevance, I don't think. I think that just makes, again, makes me not want anything to do with Denver's backfield. I mean, Latavius Murray and Melvin Gordon have been splitting. They're pretty similar in profile. And then Edmonds is, I guess, more of a receiving back, but still handles first and second down duties pretty well, too. So really, all three of these guys can be on the field all three downs. And I imagine that it'll be Murray and Gordon on the goal line more so than Edmonds. But like, what, are you going to pick one of these guys and and hope that it's them that scores? No, none of them are going to get very much volume because they're going to be competing from each other. Yeah, another crapshoot. I mean, just a couple points there. Lat Murray last week, like you said, man, 14 carries. Then you had Melvin with nine. <laughs> Hamler had a carry. Jerry Judy had a carry. Now you're bringing Edmonds into the fold. Russell Wilson runs the ball a lot. Like, to me, it's just a crapshoot. And again, bottom line to me is the quarterback's Russell Wilson. Their head coach is Nathaniel Hackett. <laughs> Don't want to get involved in that at all. Um, okay, a couple more trades here. So I think this one, to me at least, this one has the biggest fantasy implication. A lot of these are kind of real-world trade implications. But to me, the Steelers trading Chase Claypool to the Bears for a second rounder, and I'll kind of give you mine first. 
Tom, you said this before, right? Giving a young quarterback a stud wide receiver. And I realized that Chase Claypool maybe not be, he might not be an alpha number one wide receiver, but he's pretty darn good, right? Let's just think. What happened to Josh Allen when he got digs? Became elite. A.J. Brown with Jalen Hurts, absolutely lighting up. A.J. Brown, three touchdowns last week, right? Look even what Amari Cooper, who I hated on, is doing for Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, you, said to, you said to cut him. I said to cut I mean, I am embarrassed and ashamed by that, and I could not have been more wrong, but Amari Cooper is helping out Brissett. The list goes on, right? Tyree Kill, Tatua, having an absolutely electric year together, right? Claypool isn't that good, but I think this is a huge help. And Justin Fields right now, where would you, what do you think he is, Tom? What quarterback? Quarterback what on the year? Well, right I know that he's 11 because I picked him up in a league the, today, and I have to start him. If you asked me before looking it up, I, I would have, have said been, like 23. I agree. Justin Fields, a quietly good year. And really interestingly, his scoring has gone up for five straight weeks. So he has improved from the fantasy aspect for five straight weeks. And I think the Bears showed their hand here a little bit showing that they do like Fields and that they want to trust him. Um, how do you feel about this whole thing, man? This year, long run, Chase Claypool. I, I really like the signing for them, especially for Fields. What do you think, Tom? I completely agree. I think it should be illegal for a GM to draft a quarterback really, really high with either no weapons around him or a terrible offensive line. I think that they should be removed of their duties if they if they don't provide a young quarterback with the ability to to grow and succeed so i love this for fields right and of course the one that i forgot to mention earlier was what happened to daniel jones when they signed kenny galladay i mean <laughs> how'd that work out for you guys Joe? yeah that that one that we're gonna leave on the side here but uh last couple points here so listen i, I i've even personally hated on fields this year and tom that has nothing to do with justin fields i don't hate justin fields because of justin fields i hate justin fields because of their play call and they run and run and run and because they didn't have weapons, but I think this helps them. I think Mooney's going to see an uptick. Even Mooney's gotten five or more targets in six straight weeks. So although we kind of wrote him off earlier in the year as a, you know, a, a, a guy that was a bust, I don't mind Mooney. And then of course you want to flip it to the other side, losing Claypool, the Steelers in terms of dynasty, Pat Fryermuth, I think he's going to be a top, four, five tight end. I mean, currently tight end nine. It just keeps getting better. They trust him. But also my guy here, George Pickens, man, it shows that they like him. It shows that they can trust him. They still have Deontay. But I think from this in the short run and the long run, Pat Fryer, Muth, and George Pickens see, see pretty big boosts. Um, all right, last two here. So Lions, I, to me, again, this one, not much fantasy implication. I think it's kind of a net neutral, but Lions trading TJ Hawkinson for two fourth rounders to the Vikings for some picks. Um, I mean, you might be able to touch a little bit just on the Irv Smith injury, or you could even do it later on, but Minnesota didn't really use their tight end too much. But again, Hawkinson, I think is a lot better than Irv Smith. Um, to me, there's more NFL implications here than fantasy implications. What do you think? You agree? Well, I think Minnesota wants to use a tight end. I mean, remember, Irv Smith was coming off the meniscus injury last season. Um, I thought he was going to have a much better and more involved start to the season. But in the past, like they've used Kyle Rudolph quite a bit uh, more in the red zone. But I think they want to. I don't think they would make this move for Hawkinson if they weren't planning on really using him. I 
obviously Jefferson is a monster. I, I don't know that Thielen is who he used to be. I think he's still serviceable. He still has his role on that offense, but I don't know that he's going to go for a thousand plus yards and 10 touchdowns like he's done in the past. I think this is nice for Hawkinson, but I don't know that it's necessarily better than the situation he was in before. Like you said. Agreed. Kind of feeling like a net neutral. I mean, you look on paper, Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, TJ Hawkinson. Like it sounds really good. Um, to me, the only person that can, the only thing that can stop that offense is Kirk Cousins. <laughs> which and, and, could happen. And what's Kirk Especially Cousins? Especially if they have primetime games. Yes, I was just gonna say that. Which is what's his arch nemesis, the, the primetime game. So it's so amazing. Stats, man. It's just it, it makes me like he just he just folds. He just not a you know what? And then and then what's gonna happen is next primetime game, the whole world's gonna bet against him and he's gonna come out and throw for four touchdowns because that's just how the world works. Exactly. Um, all right. So this is the last one here. Happened like almost right after our show last week. So we missed being able to talk about it. But Giants traded Kadarius Tony. I mean, what a disaster of a situation to the Chiefs for a third and sixth rounder. Yikes, man. Like guy that you spent that first round capital on. Andy Reid um, quoted saying they're looking two to three years ahead um, in, in, you know, just preparing for their future. I don't know if there's implications this year. I mean, it looks like Tony's actually going to play this week. I strongly advise against playing Tony this week in fantasy, but you like that move, Tom? Tony Tony with Mahomes? Oh, my goodness. Imagine the potential there. Um, and, if, you know, we don't always know what's going on in the locker rooms. Clearly, the Giants and Tony were at odds about something. There are some reports that it was about his his health. Um, saw that Tony, it has, I think I saw a tweet, actually, that, He's stating that he's healthy. The Giants training staff apparently thinking differently. We don't know what's happening there. But, I mean, on paper, this is a match made in heaven. Mahomes with another incredibly fast, athletic, agile receiver that profiles somewhat similar to Tyreek Hill. Um, I think that if he stays on the field, I mean, he should be really, really good. All in. I'm with you there. And... We would be remiss if we didn't talk about the trade that didn't happen, or at least the team that did nothing. And I can't believe the Packers didn't make a move. I am ashamed and embarrassed if I'm them. Like that dude, that's got to be the worst front office in the NFL. How do you not make any type of move, man? Tom, make it make sense. I don't get it. I don't understand, man. I, I don't know. I think they just are out to get Aaron Rodgers for some reason. I really do. I mean, because we look at last offseason, preseason, remember Rodgers was very vocal about the Green Bay front office. And then they vowed, I believe, to work with him, to let him at least have some input on who they bring in. And what happens this offseason? Devontae Adams leaves. Um, and I don't know what happened there. That they don't replace him very well. And then, you know, you would have liked to see them go get Brandon Cooks or, or Chase Claypool instead of their division rivals getting him. Uh, I, I don't get it. It's a good point. Everybody in their division also made a move as well. Uh, the Vikings, the Bears, even like we talked about DJ Moore or Jerry Judy, something had to give there. DJ but... Moore would have been really nice. He's coming alive, man. DJ Moore. Hey, PJ Walker. 
Love to see it. All right. Yeah. See what happens when you give a quarterback a good receiver. Now we're just reaching, but <laughs> all right, let's go to some injuries here. So this is the heart of our show. This is what we do guys. We love talking football, but this is our expertise or should I say Tom and Sam's expertise, the doctors of physical therapy. So let's roll through like always boys, Tom, you'll take NFC, Sam, you'll take AFC. Tom, let's start with James Connor day to day with the rib injury. Um, what implications do we have here for Connor? Well, he's missed the last three games because of this rib injury. And we've talked about all the muscular attachments to the ribs, specifically the pecs, the lats, and the oblique muscles, all attach right onto the ribs and are all highly involved in physical activity, like playing football. So not only does the rib itself hurt, but when these muscles contract, that hurts. But by now, he's three, four weeks out from the injury. So these ribs should be feeling quite a bit better to where it doesn't hurt to run, doesn't hurt to breathe. Still might hurt to get hit, though, which is a concern, of course. And being mindful that those muscles that I named, especially the pec and the lats, they are the mus- are part of the muscles that strongly hold the ball against your body to prevent fumbling. But like I said, I mean, about four weeks out from injury now, he should be feeling quite a bit better. You know, Benjamin and Daryl Williams didn't look particularly great last week. So I, I believe that it'll still be kind of a three-headed backfield there, but Connor would probably take the lead. What does that mean from a snap percentage standpoint? Probably not great. Probably around 40% or so if he plays. But he does have a nice opportunity against Seattle, who has the fourth worst run defense. So I don't recommend starting Connor if he starts this week, but if you're in a tough situation, it could be worse. And I think a lot of people probably are in great points as always, Tom, in, in a tough situation, just to throw this out there, week nine, six teams on a bye. So it's definitely going to be hard to sit some of these guys, but I like what you said there, man. And even when he's back to full health, I envision like Connor 60%, Darrell Williams 20%. I don't even think, you know, Benjamin's going anywhere. He's not going to get, you know, 15, 20 touches, but I think, you know, Benjamin kind of could be here to stay. But I think that offense, as we've seen the last couple of weeks, Hopkins, 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 sprinkle in a little Rondell Moore, who I finally nailed, nailed that one last week. But Hopkins, dude, absolutely a specimen. Running game remains to be seen. All right, Sam, welcome on, brother. Hope you're hope you're feeling good. Hope we're back in action after your uh, your day to day. You had your bye week last week, and we're happy to have you back here. So. Tell us about Gus Bus, a mild hamstring injury. Um, I, I'm I'm a little bit disinterested in that backfield too, just because of how many mouths there are to feed there. But what do you got on Gus, Sam? Yeah, so it sounds like they said he uh, definitely avoided like a major injury, which is a great sign. Um, it stinks in the standpoint that he just came back from that ACL tear. I think it was his second game back, and he already kind of re-injured his uh, his knee, which just kind of goes to the whole point of players coming back from their ACL injuries, it's not only the risk of re-tear of the actual ACL, but now we've seen, I think, uh, Godwin, we've seen Dobbins, now Gus Edwards, all these players, they're just at an increased risk of injuries for other body parts as well. Um, As for his current uh, hamstring injury, I would expect him to probably miss this week, especially given that the team has a bye in week 10. That way he can have two full weeks of recovery. Um, Our data shows that running backs typically miss 2.2 games anyway with hamstring injuries. So I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up missing this week. Um, And then hopefully he'll be ready to go back in uh, week 11. All right. Always, 
always good to look at the buys. If they do have a buy, it would totally make sense for them, which you said, to, to bench him and, and move forward. And Tom, from that offense, and, and Sam, we'll come back to you in a minute here and talk a little bit more about Baltimore, but um, Isaiah Likely, Tom. That's my that's guy. That's your boy. That's my you look, guy. You look pretty good. Um, so, Sam, we'll come back to you in a minute and hit on Bateman and Andrews, but let's shoot over to you, Tom, with the guy who is hopefully returning this week. We'll see. He was back to practice, Corderell Patterson. Um, it was a knee scope, right? And he had a minor procedure. I, I'd be lying if I, if I knew anything about a knee scope, Tom. So <laughs> enlighten us. Yeah. First off, back to Isaiah Likely real quick. I'm in a dynasty league that I'm two and six, and it's not looking good. So I'm in like sell mode. And I have Donta Foreman, who I am aggressively trying to sell right now. And uh, someone in my league offered me a second round pick and a third round pick for Foreman which was, it wasn't bad, but I wanted a little bit more. So I countered with a second, with, with him giving me a second and Isaiah Likely. He said no. I'm like, dude, you, you have, you didn't go to Coastal. I need to have <laughs> Isaiah Likely. Give him to me. He realizes the value of Isaiah Likely. So you're playing with some sharp people right there. Dude, he, he really looked like legit. Yeah. You, oh, he's a freak. He's an athletic freak. Yeah, he's real good, so... Yeah. All right, so back to uh, so Patterson. Um, yeah. So and, and, and whatever a knee scope might be, <laughs> and, and they never really told us. But with with the scope, they're going into the knee to clean something out, and they didn't tell us what. Usually, it's either a meniscus or some cartilage. Sometimes they can get a little bit frayed, not to the point where it can be repaired, but they just need to clean it out. Because if they don't clean it out, it'll repetitively irritate the joint, causing swelling and pain. And can sometimes the joint can get stuck in a, in a slightly bent position. So that's obviously not good. So, so, so that would be my guess on what they cleaned out. I don't know though, but with, with a scope and with the time frame, the four to six weeks, we know that nothing was repaired. They didn't repair the meniscus. They didn't do any kind of cartilage repair or anything along those lines or any ligament repair. So that tells us the only tissue that's healing is the skin where the incision was. And that's a very small incision when they do that. So I'm not concerned about that at all. The only concern there would have been infection, which if he's practicing today like he was, he probably doesn't have an infection. And even with that small of an incision, you don't really see infections too often. Um, We don't really have a huge sample size on players returning from this type of surgery. Um, but the best comparison we do have is our meniscus debridement, which is again, small, I think it's four or five running backs, but they all do overall, they do fine when they return, no decline in fantasy production scene at all. Patterson was the running back seven before he got hurt, which is really quite good. He was heavily involved, run pass everything. And we know, like you talked about before, Atlanta's just running the ball, run, 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 run. So I think if he plays this week, I wouldn't expect a full workload, especially because of how well Algier and even Huntley have been running. Um, but he could be an okay flex play if, if you have to this week, if he plays. But um, definitely in the next couple weeks, I would expect his workload to ramp back up quite a bit. I'm a little skeptical about playing him this week just because I think I saw him say he personally feels like he's around 90%. So maybe yeah, by game time, that. like... I don't know, 95, who the heck knows. But again, like you said, Huntley been running well. Algier hasn't been bad. I'm skeptical this week, but moving forward, you said he's freaking RB7 when he went down, and they're going to run, run, run. Arthur Smith established the run. So 
it is going to be tough. He's going to have to fight off again, Huntley and Algier. And I think a lot of these injuries, man, like theme of our show so far is just creating muddy messes in backfield as guys are going out and, and giving other guys opportunities. Right. And, and then coming back and it just creates muddy messes, but I think Cordero Patterson will be just fine down the stretch. Okay. Back to you, Sam. We're going to pair two together here. Two more Ravens. Rashad Bateman looks like he's going to miss an extended period of time with a foot injury. We already kind of discussed the Ravens a little bit. They're five and three, but offensively in fantasy, they're kind of a dumpster fire. Also, Mark Andrews with shoulder and ankle injuries. That was tough because that was, what was that, the Thursday game? I think that was the Thursday night game where he played a couple snaps, caught a couple balls, and then went out. Um, so what do we make of Baltimore, Sam? What do you got on Bateman and Andrews? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, so for, for Bateman, uh, we already know he's going to miss a few weeks. Harbaugh already said that uh, exactly that. He ex- expects him to miss a few weeks. And this is what we were talking about the last few episodes where – these midfoot injuries or this Frank injuries, they, they can be tough to become back from for a wide receiver because just the way that you injure that part of your foot is basically when you're landing on your foot, when it's kind of pointed down towards the ground. And if you have too much force there, it basically just kind of separates the bones. And that's the type of sprain that they, they have during that type of injury. So when he came back so quick, only missing two games, I was kind of shocked. Um, our data has that, I mean, we only have like three wide receivers in our data set, but all of them missed the rest of their season. So this isn't definitely isn't a great sign for him going forward. And given that he's already injured it one time again, like re-injury, I wouldn't be surprised if he does it again. If they try to, if they say they try to push him to come back in three weeks again, he misses the bye week, misses another game, comes back. I wouldn't be surprised if he re-injures it another time. Um, so that's kind of like a tricky situation to navigate. If you're like a player that doesn't have an IR or you're really struggling, I mean, I could see dropping him if you really needed a, a spot just because of that high re-injury risk. And it's it's tough out there. If you're if your team sucks, then you need you need that spot. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I totally agree. I would probably try to trade him first. Um right. but obviously, I, yeah. But I am completely out on him for the rest of the fantasy season. Now that's not to say that he can't help Baltimore in the playoffs, but right. I don't trust him the rest of the fantasy relevant weeks this year. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, it's just gonna be when he does come back, it's gonna be tough. It's like, can you play him? Can you not? You know, leave him on your bench again and see if he goes off and then try to play him the next week and then he gets hurt again. So it's tough to tough to trust him now. It's just a tricky injury that we really don't see that much, but it's so impactful on athletic activity and it's so easy to re-aggravate. For sure, for sure. And I don't know who they're going to throw the ball to. Did, you didn't talk about Andrews yet, but even even yeah, yet. likely, I, we might see, honestly, I know we talked about him five times already, but we might see like two tight end sets or even throwing him in the slot because he's that good. But what do we got on Andrews? I mean, is he coming back, Sam? Yeah, so for for Andrews, they said it's a, that he avoided a major injury. Um, I saw the shoulder injury. I didn't see much about the ankle, so not sure what's going on there. For the shoulder injury, it looked like he like when he was landing, he kind of landed on his elbow out to the side and just kind of put force straight up through to his shoulder. Typically, with that type of injury, you're looking at either like an AC joint sprain, a possible dislocation, or just general shoulder sprain. It didn't seem like a dislocation, just the way he uh, was on the sideline. And I, I don't think they saw them pop it back in or anything like that, but never know. Um, assuming it was like an AC joint sprain, 
tight ends on our data set only miss 0.3 games. So there's not a ton of time missed with that type of injury. Again, we don't have a ton of data there. So wide receivers who are like a similar position, they're running routes, trying to catch balls. They miss 1.4 games. So I don't think he would be out too long if he does play. Given that I think they played on the Thursday and now they're playing on a Monday, he's got a little extra time to get that shoulder ready. So I think he will play, but it's going to be kind of dicey if if he's your tight end and you don't have any other options on a Monday night game. That's a little that's a little tough because we probably won't know until right before the game. Especially with the tight end position being so thin. Okay, Tom. Now I with that though, you you might be able to go and get Isaiah Likely off the waivers though, and so that way if Andrews doesn't play, you just plug Likely in, and he's gonna be better than almost any other starter that you would pick up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if if he's still available, um, granted it's already Wednesday, so he might not be, but if he is, definitely worth picking him up. Ladies and gentlemen, the week nine episode, the Isaiah Likely special. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> so uh, quick, whenever I'm posting this, it asked me to put in like keywords and I put like fantasy football injury. It is going to be Isaiah as one likely as one Isaiah likely as another. Let's just put our hashtags in, in, or in then coastal Carolina. Yeah, sure. We'll make it all about that. Okay. So Kyron Williams ankle finally maybe activated for Sunday. Cam Akers out. Doesn't look like he even wants to play again this year, at least for the Rams. Henderson's banged up. Ronnie Rivera, uh, Ronnie rivers has, not been great, played a game or whatever he played. He's back to the practice squad. This guy, Williams, some I don't know much about him, but had some respectful numbers. I looked it up out of Notre Dame, really solid combine, a little bit slower with 4465, but we expected him back. And by the way, before you, Tom, you go, Kyron Williams should be rostered. And again, if he is not, make sure to pick him up, check every single league. He could be a league winner. He could do nothing. He could be a league winner. But what do you got on Williams, Tom? Yeah, I wrote a whole article on him last week on fantasyinjuryteam.com. Be sure to check that out. Here's the thing. There's high reward possibility, no risk, but also the potential for very little output. He's He could really honestly finish anywhere across that spectrum. He's never played an NFL game before, so we don't know if... Well, I, I take that back. He played one play. He had the opening kick return in the first game of the season, Thursday night, and he had a severe high ankle sprain on that play. He hasn't played since. So we don't know if he's actually good in this league. We don't even know what he did in the offseason or training camp because he fractured his foot in, I believe it was June. So this is a guy who's dealt with two major injuries in the past six months to start his NFL career with the foot fracture and the severe high ankle sprain. Both of those are injuries that have potential to affect mechanics in the entire leg going forward. The foot we've, we've talked about with Bateman. We've talked about with um, Marquise Brown. When the foot is fractured, it's immobilized for several weeks, four to six weeks, usually in either a cast or a boot. And anytime a joint's immobilized, it gets stiff and it gets weak. By this point, that's, that was far enough along that the strength is likely back, but we don't know if he has that full mobility back. And in the foot, it's subtle, tiny, tiny, tiny losses in mobility that go a long way from the mechanics in the foot. So I, I would hope that they've been working a lot on getting that mobility back, but sometimes even you could work at it every single day and it doesn't always become 100% how it was before injury. 
with the high ankle sprain, similar situation. So it was a severe one, obviously, if he's missed the first entire half of the season. So he was in a boot for a while, immobilized for a while. Ankle has the potential to get stiff and not be able to have as much bend as it used to have. That influences shock absorption when we walk, run, jump, cut, etc. When you're not absorbing shock through the ankle how you should, impacts things up the chain in the knee, in the hip, in the back, etc. So with all that being said, he's certainly at a higher risk for an for any kind of injury, lower body mostly, than your average player would be. But that's not always predictable. We don't always know that, oh, this guy's had a lot of injuries in the past. It's not a guarantee he's going to get hurt again. He's stepping into the perfect situation. A Sean McVay offense that is historically very good and utilizes the running back in the running game and the passing game that currently has the worst running offense in the NFL. They need a spark, man. That team needs something to happen. They are last in the league in rushing yards, and they're averaging 3.3 yards per carry. Akers isn't going to play for this team, I don't think. Henderson has not been that great this year, and he's been banged up a little bit too. If Williams has anything, he's going to get on the field, and he's going to have as good of opportunity as anybody to, to do something. I'm actually going out and seeking to try to trade for him. Uh, I think there's really sneaky value there. Again, a guy that can flop, but if you're at a point in the year, man, where you need to do something a little weird, I would risk it for him. I really would. Um, all right. Another tight end to you, Sam, Darren Waller limited today with the hamstring. He's looking more and more like a wasted pick, man. Such a big name, the tight end wasteland out there. He's tight end 26 on the year. The Raiders themselves are just broken, but what's your expert opinion here on the Waller hamstring injury? Yeah, it might might have been a waste pick so far, but I think he'll actually be back this week um, based on the fact that he was limited in practice today. Um, our data shows most tight ends missed only like 2.1 games after this type of injury. He already had the bye. He already missed two games, so he should have had plenty of time to get ready for this game, and they need him. I mean, we all saw how they did last week, and it just looked abysmal, really. Um, no really other way to describe it. So with all those factors combined, he should be good to go. Obviously, you're going to have to keep an eye on those practice reports in case he does re-aggravate it in the next few days. But I think he'll be, I think he'll be ready to go. I think I used the word abysmal in my post this week. I forget who good word. it was for. But yeah, yeah, good vocab there, Sam. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Not lousy? No, I, I mixed like it up. Lousy's good. I like lousy, too, but... Whoever I was writing this about, it must have been more than lousy. So what's worse, lousy or abysmal? It's got to be oh, abysmal, uh, right? Abysmal, for sure. Right, abysmal. Yeah, that's bad. Um, Tom, remember that list we went through before of how when you give a quarterback a star-wide receiver, they get better? I do. Yeah. What's happening to Derek Carr now that he got probably the best wide receiver in football, Devontae Adams? Yeah, I don't know. That's weird. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, dude. And they benched him for, for Jared Stidham or whoever. Adams had one catch for three yards last week. All this against him. And, and at the time, two and five Saints. So that the Raiders are broken. Um, hopefully Waller kind of comes in and, and patches some of their holes because there's quite a bit as they got shut out this week. Another guy, Tom Cooper Cup. Um, I had a heart attack because he was on the field with one minute left down 31 to 14. Um, the fact that he's on the field makes me want to pull my hair out and scream and yell. And I will go on and on about how 
you and I can coach better than some of these people and make the decisions. But anyway, thank goodness, injury doesn't seem major, right? DNP today, but it's an ankle injury. Do you think he's going to play this week? What do you got on Cooper Cup, Tom? Well, first off, thank goodness someone was able to give you CPR and um, administer the AED. So your, uh, your, your heart attack is under control. Dude, barely, barely. What was the ambulance ride like? I don't remember it. Blacked out the whole time, crying about how Cooper Cup was on the field with a minute left down, more than two touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, wait till you get that bill. That's going to suck. Yeah. Huh? Uh, yeah, what the heck was he in the game for, McVay? What are you doing? You're down 17 with a minute left. Get, get your best player out. Luckily, he avoided anything major. He's on track to play this week, we hope. The ankle sprain is going to impact a player's agility, cutting, lateral motion, more so than just straight line speed. And that's a lot of Cooper Cup's games, his change direction, his excellent route running. So it could slow him down a little bit, but you're not going to not start this guy. I mean, he's a freaking superstar. And Stafford peppers him with targets every single game. And like we've talked about, this team is not good this year, so they need to throw a lot. And nobody else has done anything except for Cooper Cup. Allen Robinson has not been a good acquisition. We've just talked about the running backs. Van Jefferson's back now, and I think he might start to play a role. But, I mean, Cup's still going to get a 33-plus percent target share. Pepper, pepper, pepper. Absolutely. And, Tom, you said that Robinson is a waste. And I, I agree, but sneaky improvement. Kind of like a Darnell Mooney situation. Last week, seven targets. The week before, six targets. Then five. So does actually since week two, Allen Robinson, five, five, six, five, six, seven. Last week, eight fantasy points. The week before, 14, eight. I'm not saying he's good, but maybe some sneaky improvement there. But I like Van Jefferson a lot. He didn't do anything last week, but I think he only played 30 or 40 snaps or something like that. But I like Van Jefferson. Hopefully, Cooper Cup is good. Uh, my heart cannot take any more hurt um, in terms of the fantasy injury world. So, okay. Couple injuries left, guys. We'll keep it rolling here. Sam, this one hit like a bombshell out of nowhere. Jamar Chase. Um, we knew that something was up, but now they're saying he's going to miss an extended period of time. It's a hip injury, which I don't know how much we've talked hip injuries on the show. So enlighten us, Sam. What do you got on that one? I don't think we've talked a ton about hip injuries. They don't seem to happen as frequently as like hamstrings and knees and shoulders, but so they said he has a hairline fracture in his hip as well as a labrum tear. Uh, for those of you that don't know what a labrum is, it's basically just an extra piece of cartilage that goes around the rim of the socket in the hip joint. And it helps to provide stability and some cushion to the joint. Um, not as much cushion as you would think is like a meniscus, but it still helps a little bit with that aspect. So the thing that's more concerning here to me is probably the labrum tear. The hairline fracture, we know if bones heal well, they have a good blood supply. Um, and that should be pretty reliable healing time. Like they said, four to six weeks, the questionable thing here is that labrum tear, the labrum probably won't heal that well. Um, so it's probably going to be more of like a pain tolerance kind of issue when he's trying to come back, which affects their, their cutting change of direction, that kind of stuff. So if his, if his fracture heals, well, that's all good. And the labrum ends up being not a huge issue. I could see him being back pretty quick. Like they said, maybe four weeks, something like that. Um, if the labrum is something that's really impacting him, I mean, it has even potential to go on to surgery and being a long-term issue where he's out the whole season, but that's something we don't really know until, until it's time to see if he's ready to play or not. 
shows you how much they rely on him as well. They didn't have a, a very good week there. Okay. Tom, Alan Lazard, shoulder. Looks like he returned Wednesday. Um, we talked about how the Packers signed nobody. Dobbs had a pretty good week, four for 62 and a touchdown. Aaron Jones continues to light it up. Listen, Packers have a good, juicy matchup this week against the Lions, who are 32nd in total yards and 32nd in total points allowed. Six teams on a bye. I would strongly suggest everybody fires up any Packer they can get their hands on. But, Tom, are we going to be able to fire up Lazard this week? We'll have to continue to see. He practiced today, but we we don't know yet. If he does play, look out for any reports on a possible snap restriction. I wouldn't expect the shoulder injury to impact his per-play efficiency, but it, they could reduce his snap load. Um, so just look out for that. All righty, hoping to have him back. Sam, another big one, man. Jonathan Taylor popped up today, Wednesday, with an ankle injury, and he was a DNP. I already mentioned earlier, Hines is gone. Deion Jackson, a great stash, man, with JT Hurt and with uh, with Hines now gone. Like we said, he's a good stash. Um, listen, JT's been a bust. He has been an almost useless RB33, but what do you see on his injury, Sam? What do you got on JT? Yeah, this is tough. It doesn't definitely doesn't look good, but I think everyone saw him getting taped up on the sideline in the middle of the last game. I think he only played like 69% of the snaps in that game, kind of coming in, coming out. Um it's difficult when you re-aggravate an injury because it just kind of resets everything. You're frustrated. You want to play, but there's too much pain. I remember uh, a couple of weeks ago, he kind of held himself out of one of the games because he didn't feel like he was ready. So given that he re-aggravated it and he didn't practice today, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up missing this game. Um, it's hard to tell how much time it'll be before he actually is back, given that's a re-aggravation, because we don't know if it's like a mild kind of re-aggravation or if it's more of a sphere thing, if it's worse than the first injury. Um, so this, this one's going to be hard to figure out over time. Um, the team also signed Jordan Wilkins to their practice squad, I saw uh, in a report. So that's another sign where you kind of have to just follow what the team's doing. Granted, since they traded Naheem Hines, maybe it's just to cover that up, but doesn't look great, especially for this week. I hope that he does not turn into another. I've seen Trent Richardson comparisons, and I pray that that's not the case for JT here. Okay. Tom, your boy, Michael Thomas. I don't know. Is he ever coming back to football, man? What's his deal? Foot? Who knows? I, I literally wrote who knows because I don't know. Maybe you know. <laughs> I wrote who knows too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying it's every week. It's every week. Oh, questionable to yeah. O. Questionable to O. I don't know. Just, just honestly, just keep watching the reports this has been very frustrating just just keep watching reports for when he plays all right and, and off that olave last week the team didn't even have to throw much but olave still five for 52 he's a stud get him anywhere you can in dynasty trade for him do whatever you got to do um okay keenan allen another one that has been just so frustrating this year sam a hamstring injury they're coming off a bye and he's still questionable still may not play and i saw some tweets that his injury may have even gotten worse. So what are you seeing on Keenan Allen? Yeah, I saw that too. This is quickly turning to Julio Jones 2.0, where he's just going to keep aggravating his hamstring. He's at that 30-year-old age mark where we know wide receivers start to kind of take us a downturn. So this is this again, doesn't look good. Uh, you never want to see a setback after a uh, bye week. Um, the team said it hasn't responded the way that they wanted to. I think that's pretty clear since he's not on the field. So I wouldn't be hopeful that he's back this week. And honestly, if you 
I feel like you can probably drop him at this point because if he's not playing this week and you're struggling and you need that roster spot, then you can do it, especially if you have like a lot of fab left or if you know you have a high waiver priority. If you're not going to use him this week, drop him. See if maybe he's back next week. You're probably still not going to play him because who knows if he's going to hurt it again. So you're looking probably at least two weeks before you can start him. Tough one on Keenan Allen. Tom, don't you got something on us or, uh, for Keenan Allen? Yeah, just a little plug for a special edition episode that we have coming up on Monday. While I was at the conference this weekend, I uh, I sat down with a uh, one of the legends in the PT world who is very skilled and knowledgeable and teaches about something called neurodynamics. And uh, one issue that we see with recurring hamstring injuries, and I'd be interested in looking at this in Keenan Allen, in Julio Jones, Kadarius Tony, a number of players, is the sciatic nerve can get stuck, essentially, or irritated, one or the other, or, or a number of other things. And the hamstring protects that nerve. So a lot of times when you see someone who has recurring hamstrings over and over and over again, it's because the nerve is irritated and the hamstring is protecting it. For a full explanation on that, be sure to check out our episode airing Monday with special guest Jack Stagg. Love the plug, baby. Let's go. Hit that bell, guys. Hit the notification. You'll never miss one. You'll see all these cool extra episodes. But Tom, that sounds awesome. Um, okay. You've each got two more, which we should be able to fly through here. So Tom, Irv Smith, high ankle sprain, may need surgery, right? I mean, Hawkinson's here to save the day for Minnesota, but what do we got on Irv? Eight to 10 weeks is the timeline. That is long for this injury. He must have had a lot of damage to the ligaments that keep the tibia and fibula bones together. And that's why surgery is on the table right now. If he does get surgery, it'll probably be the tightrope procedure that Tua had in college. Tua really made that famous. Go ahead and drop him in redraft. He's not going to do anything for you this year. And you might as well hold on to him in Dynasty. But, I mean, with the acquisition of Hawkinson, even for next year, like Irv is going to be the number two tight end there. And the team that that historically hasn't even thrown to tight ends much. Brandon Cooks, wrist injury listed as questionable, Sam. I, I almost think it's a BS injury because I thought that he didn't want to play because I thought that he was going to be traded. But what do you see, man? Wrist injury here for Cooks. Yeah, so wrist injuries are something that we, I mean, we don't really see these a ton. Um, depending on the severity of it, if it was like a fracture or something like that, that would obviously keep him out if he's in a cast, can't catch the ball. Um, but if it's just a like a sprain, if he's able to catch it, I would imagine he'll be good to go. I don't think we have, we don't have a ton of data on this type of thing. So it's going to be hard for me to give a good guess. Um, and they play on Thursday night as well. So we should have an answer by tomorrow what he's doing, but if he plays then start him. but if he's obviously he's out, then not much you can do there. Okay. And with the same team, Nico Collins as well ruled out Thursday. I mean, there's just no one left on that team to catch passes, man. We'll, we'll keep an eye on both of those cooks and, and Nico Collins, maybe Philip Dorsett. I have no idea how they're going to fare against your birds, Tom. We'll see. That's going to be a real fun game tomorrow, man. It'll okay. be a route. It should be the, the Vegas at least thinks so it's a 13 or 14 point spread. So that is going to be in Philly living it up. Tom quick. You're watching baseball. Yes or no. Yeah. I watched the last game. I'm looking at the score right now. I don't have a TV on, but I'm looking at the score. All right. Philly's up two one in the series. All right. Our last guy 
Andre, uh, DeAndre Swift, welcome back to the show. Good to see you again. Uh, frequent guest here is uh, he has an ankle injury and a shoulder injury, a DNP today on Wednesday. Only five carries last week. We always joke about how all he needs is that. He had five carries and then wind up catching a touchdown pass because that's just what Swift does. But I also saw, Tom, that he's still not at 100% and that Campbell might still limit him. Is that all true? That's what it sounds like, and I would expect that to be what happens. There's no reports of a setback, but he straight up said that he's not 100%. If he plays, you got to start him because what we just said, he doesn't need a lot of touches to produce. And also, um, like, but like, you know, Jamal Williams is going to get the ball too. Like, he's playing very, very well. So it's tough because we're not seeing Swift at his full potential, but even at partial potential, he's still pretty good from a fantasy standpoint in the second and third games after an ankle sprain running backs are still a bit impaired from a fantasy standpoint averaging 2.1 points per game below pre-injury baseline but we we know that swift can still outperform that on any given week even if he's partially injured 100 percent. all right so that concludes our injuries guys now we do one show a week tom sometimes throwing in an extra episode for us but listen if you want more content like this anytime anything happens in real time live we are tweeting we're putting out articles fantasyinjuryteam.com and twitter another awesome resource you could follow sam and tom but we are at injury underscore fantasy okay Quick new segment here, boys, getting a lot of questions on these next four players. All I need you guys to do, again, I'm bringing out my teacher here, is say drop or keep. That is all I need you to do. Tell me if you are dropping these players, if you are getting rid of them from your fantasy team, saying goodbye, or are you holding on for dear life? Now, of course, we realize every league is different in terms of your bench spots, so adjust accordingly, but I'm going to start with one Elijah Moore. ADP, wide receiver, 37 on the year, currently wide receiver, 86. Tom, what do you got? Drop. Drop him. You will not see him on any of my teams. I was holding out hope for a trade. Trade deadline is over. See you later, Elijah Moore. Okay. Kidding question, surprisingly, AJ Dillon, ADP, drafted him as RB24, currently RB36. Tom, what do you got? Drop. I'm keeping him. I think, I mean, if Aaron Jones ever gets hurt, then you got a starter. So you got to keep him. I refuse to drop him. I can't drop him. I'm holding on to him. All right. Two more guys. Aaron Rodgers. Would you take AJ Dillon or Isaiah Likely? (laughs) Can't can't compare the two, but just give me, if it has to actually come to down to who I'm playing in a flex spot, I'm just going to play Isaiah Likely because AJ Dillon has rotted in my flex spot on every team I've been in for the past, oh, I don't know, nine weeks, eight weeks. Okay. Uh, Same team, boys. Aaron Rodgers, ADP QB9, currently QB18, and he still hasn't even had his buy yet, so he's just going to get even worse and worse. I'm disgusted with him. I'm getting him off every team. Tom, what do you got? Don't want him. Sam? Well, you could probably stream him this week. He's playing Detroit. They're not too threatening, so I'd keep him for this week. Anybody's threatening to the Packers lately. Okay. Cam Akers is our last one. ADP laughable at this. No disrespect to the player itself, but the situation ADP RB 20 currently RB 69 right now. Giggity. Uh, I'm out on him. Yeah. We, we tried to warn everyone before the season. Uh, get, drop them. Good call. Yeah. Now you gotta get rid of him. I doubt he 
plays again this year unless they cut him. But who knows? Listen, we own our losses and we admit when we are wrong. And of course that happens quite a bit, but we're right quite a bit too. when we, we warned aggressively against can makers in the, in the middle or the beginning of the season. Okay. Our last segment is as Chimmy boy joins us here, we are going to do our start sit portion. Um, I'll start us off. So I was pretty hot last week. I'll, I'll toot my own horn a little bit. I said, start Rondell Moore went off, had a real nice week said to sit David Montgomery really didn't do anything. He was 15 for 53. So, I don't know why, boys, but I'm really passionate about my two guys this week. So here we go. I am starting anywhere I can. I don't care if it's in the tight end spot or in the flex spot. Gerald Everett. Listen, people may be a little bit hesitant being that he's kind of a low-end tight end one right now. I think he's tight end number 12. Lock this guy in with confidence. Download a sports book if you need to. Pull a Calvin Ridley. Travel to a different state if you need to. I don't care what you have to do. Bet the overs on this guy. He is going to hit. Here's a couple facts for you, okay? Chargers play against the Falcons. That is the highest over-under of the week at 50 points. The Chargers are implied to score 26.5 points. The Falcons, who they're playing, rank 31st in the NFL in total yards allowed, 32nd last in passing yards allowed, and 29th in points. Falcons ranked 25th against tight ends in terms of fantasy production. Mike Williams is out. Keenan Allen is trending towards not playing. Falcons are actually decent against the run. Here's a couple wide receivers. Here's actually the wide receivers who practiced today for the Chargers. Ready? Josh Palmer, DeAndre Carter, Michael Bandy, Jason Moore, Joe Reed, John Hightower, and Keelan Doss. And Vin Vento. You're damn right. Everett's got nine and seven targets on back-to-back weeks. Still with all those injuries, highest over-under of the week for the Chargers. Take him. Take every over on him. Tom, I know you think it's Isaiah Likely week. It's Gerald Everett week. And my sit of the week is last week. Again, I gave you David Montgomery. And this one, listen, I will say this one is tough because there's six teams on a bye, and you may not be able to sit this person but I strongly advise you to temper your expectations this week on Damian Pierce. He's RB 16 on the year. Proceed with caution. The Texans, as we said, play the Eagles on short rest after losing to the Titans in a low scoring 17 to 10 game Texans implied total. Always look at this guys only projected the Texans to score 16 points. Eagles defense, one of the best in football. They will go up early in this game. Brandon cooks might not play. Nico Collins is out. The Eagles are going to stack the box. The Texans are also going to have to throw. I am strongly pivoting away from Pierce this week. It's tough to sit the RB16. I don't have high hopes for him. Those are my guys. Who's going to top that? Who's up? So I'm going to start Raheem Mostert this week. Chicago is allowing the second most rushing yards and the first most rushing TDs. I believe it's 14 rushing touchdowns they've allowed. Mostert's been seeing 60% plus snap share while Edmonds was there. Edmonds is gone. Obviously, Wilson's been added, and he will get touches, especially down the road. But I I doubt that he gets a major snap share this week. I think Mostert's a huge start this week. I'm sitting, similar to you, Joe, a, a Houston Texan. I'm sitting Brandon Cooks, actually. Like you said, my Eagles defense is number one in the league in pass yards. 
The pass rush has just been getting better and better and better. Added Robert Quinn the other week. Davis Mills is going to be in hell tomorrow night. I could see him throwing for less than 150 yards. And Cooks is questionable, which I, I don't know that if he plays, I don't know that wrist injury impacts him too much. But he had, this is like the only year of his career that he has not been really, really reliable. And he's going against Darius Slay. So, yeah, good luck. Tom, to your point, I think there's a lot of people out there because I was guilty of this once before or years before, whatever. You're between two guys, and a lot of people play the guy that just happens to be in prime time because they want some stake in the game. They want to watch the game. They want in on it. Not against yeah, Darius Slay. It's more fun. No, no. Don't do against it Darius against Slay. Darius Slay. I'm with you. All right. Sam, start and sit. What do you got, brother? All right. I mean, you already laid it out for me for the Chargers. I'm going to start Josh Palmer. I have written down here, start Josh Palmer or Gerald Everett. You already talked about Everett. I mean, they got to throw the ball to somebody with Mike Williams out. Um, Keenan Allen probably still out. Got to go with Josh Palmer here. He's probably going to be their lead wide receiver or Everett. Um, and then for sitting, I'm going to sit Drake London. You can ob- arguably drop him too. I mean, he they just simply don't pass the ball enough to make it worth it. Um, so that's, yeah, that's my guy to sit as Arthur Smith is established in the run in his sleep. All right, Vin, welcome to the show right at the end here. I'm happy to have you, man. Who you got this week? So it's funny actually that you were just talking down about AJ Dillon because I'm making him my start this week. Uh, (laughs) the Packers are four point road favorites games in a dome. As we know, the Lions defense is horrendous. All whoever wants to score can score on them. Um, they're giving up 25 points per game, fantasy points per game to the running backs this season, 120 rushing yards a game, 11 rushing t- uh, touchdowns so far this year. Um, and AJ Dillon, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of teams on by as you alluded to this week. So he might be your best option. Uh, he played about 42% of the snaps last week. So it's a little bit of an uptick, not, not what you want to see, but uh, against a terrible run defense like this the Packers should be, able to handle the lions and he might get some fourth quarter, you know, uh, big runs down the stretch. Uh, maybe it's like a get right game for him. I kind of, I kind of hope it is. Yeah. One more thing. The lions have given up nine runs of 20 plus yards this season. So a big play is definitely in store. It's going to be him or Aaron Jones or both of them, but somebody's going to break off a big run for (laughs) sure. Uh, my sit is also a little bit out there, I think, but, uh, Clyde Edwards Elair. Uh, the Titans are allowing the fifth least fantasy points to the running back position this season. Only one rushing touchdown allowed, and another one uh, through the air. So only two running back, two running backs have scored on them this year. Uh, as we know, before the bye, they kind of named Isaiah Pacheco the starter. Didn't really turn out to be that. I think Jarek McKinnon actually got the most snaps of anyone that week. Really weird, but that's another thing against Clyde is that it's a three-headed monster there. You don't know who's really going to get the most or if they're going to split it up three ways. Um, and being the chiefs are coming off a bye, you know, we see this a lot where rookies uh, kind of kind of do a little bit better after the bye later in the season. So I think Pacheco uh, is more of a second half player and can really hurt CH's value down the stretch, especially in this game. So sit in CH. I'm not sure it's a three-headed monster. It is three-headed. Monster, uh, monster was the wrong but, word, but that's the first thing. That <laughs> a three-headed, three-headed uh, I don't know, something you're not scared of. Okay, a three-headed, I don't know. All right, three-headed, three-headed, was awesome. three-headed flower. There you go. 
That's there you go. Funny. Lovely. Isn't that a uh, what's the what's the Irish? I'm losing my mind. The three four leaf clover a clover. OK, you know, what? it's time for me to go to bed. <laughs> All right. Vin, thank you for that. OK, last minute of our show here, guys, if you made it this far, you're going to get rewarded. Listen, we've gotten a ton of entries into our into our contest here. So this time we did three rounds of trivia. It was for a signed and framed Austin Eckler jersey authenticated. We will reach out to you. Actually, if you hear this and win. You should reach out to us. We're going to spin our wheel here. We're actually going to spin it twice. First winner will receive the Austin Eckler jersey. And the second one gets to join us on any episode of their choosing on a podcast. Make a nice guest appearance with the fantasy injury team here. So here we go. We're going to spin the wheel once. It is spinning around. Got a lot of entries, smaller names here. And the winner for the jersey, Stephen, I don't know if I'm saying your name right, Monet or Monette. Stephen Monette or Monet, uh, reach out to us. Congratulations. You have won a jersey. And let's spin it again for a guest appearance here. Spinning, spinning, spin. I don't know if you guys could hear the wheel spin. I have like some Twitter names in here. We've got, I, I don't know people's first names. Um, 1912. This person has, has called in before. Asked, 1912 fantasy. 1912 fantasy. I don't know who you are. Hello, welcome. Uh, you've been playing us. fantasy since 1912. That's pretty cool. 110 year old on the pod. That'd be Absolutely fun. classic. 1910. And Ange D'Amico, my sister, uh, unfortunately just missed it. She was. She was. She. She was not on. But uh, we don't know this person. 1912 fantasy. So welcome to the show. Um, we will see you next week. Okay. That is it for us, guys. As always, we thank you so much. I got to give a quick special shout out to Devin Mayer. It is his birthday. Happy birthday, Devin. But thank you guys at home for listening and for the support. Hope you have a great week nine. And we will see you guys next time on the Fantasy Injury Team Podcast.